What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Drama Pod. My name is Rachel. <laughs> and we have a very special guest with us today. You might be wondering, where's Anna? Well, she's not here. <laughs> Instead, we have the amazing Jenna Hong. Welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you back. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Of course. So Jenna is here in Miami for five days. Mm-hmm. And, and that's my last day today. Today's her last day. We're so sad, but we've had so much fun. Let's tell them a little bit of what we did. So day one, what do we do? Oh, I took her to get a Cuban sandwich. We got Cuban food first thing at Rachel picked me up from the airport and immediately took me over to what's it called? The Grove, I think. Yeah. To get Cuban sandwiches. So that was literally you guys the very first thing that I did. (laughs) (laughs) And you've never really had like authentic Cuban food, right? No, not really. So I made it my mission to show her what it's like to be Cuban. And she, she was not wrong. We even had Cuban for dinner that night too. And Cuban is just everywhere I go now. It's in me. Yeah. I took her to Pollo Tropical today because apparently she sees it on my vlogs. I didn't realize how often I mention Pollo Tropical, the restaurant, but apparently it's enough for Jenna to know what I order, which is a tropi chop. Oh my gosh. I know. Especially when you were working at your dad's consecutively, like before you started working at your mom's, I would just always watch your videos yeah. and be like, what is she eating? Like, I need to just taste it and understand why she's always getting the choppy chop. What would you rate it out of 10? I thought it was really good. Honestly. Okay. I will say it looked small at first. So I was skeptical, Mm -hmm. but once I finished it, I felt so full. I would honestly rate it a solid with the sauce, like an eight out of 10. Yeah. And for me, it's just economical. Like it's seven bucks for a good portion. It's fresh chicken that they grilled and I'm just a big fan of it. So I'm glad that you liked it. Let me see. When was your last time on the pod? Around New Year's is when. Oh the- my God! You were on episode six. Mm. Episode number six, you guys. What it's like being a first-generation American with Jenna Hong. That was the January first episode. So if you want to get a little bit more background on Jenna, where she comes from, what her vibe is, <laughs> go listen to that episode. And then today's episode is going to be all about YouTube and social media because obviously that's where Jenna and I met. Mm-hmm. It's our biggest passions, and I feel like it really helps us connect with each other because not a lot of people do it or like understand the struggle behind it so we will dive into that in a little bit but today was literally the craziest day ever and i feel like it was because of it was a full moon so it's we originally wanted to go on a walk this morning but it was raining Mm -hmm. but it was really sunny so that was like the first weird thing red flag and then we went to our second solid core class, which is like a spinoff of Pilates that Jenna introduced me to. And it's actually really good. It's a lot of abs and it mm-hmm. was good. It was perfect. And it targets like a certain part of your body for each class in addition to like your usual core Pilates yeah. movements. But on the way in, so there's a parking garage and on the way in, you're supposed to push the button and get a ticket. And yesterday, the same thing happened. We would push the button and no ticket would come out. And Okay, keep in mind we're in AJ's truck, so it's a lifted truck. So I'm thinking maybe like the sensors didn't pick up the truck. Hmm. Which is weird because it's such a big vehicle. So we go into the parking garage and the gate opens automatically. So even though I didn't get a ticket, it like let me go through. So yesterday we went through no problem. And then today I try to get a ticket because I think, okay, maybe yesterday was just a glitch. No ticket. The gate opens. I pull in to go through the gate and the gate smashes down on the truck. We scream. (laughs) Chaos ensues. I don't realize that the truck is damaged until we park. So we park the car. 
I look at the, like the, in between the side window and the windshield, like that little yeah, strip, like the corner dent and scuff. Oh, I gosh. panic. Okay. So the entire, we relate to the class, the entire workout class. I'm thinking, Oh my God, AJ is going to kill me. He's going to be so mad. What am I going to do after the class? Um, we go to this car wash to mm-hmm. like ask them, Hey, can you buff out this scratch? Because we didn't know like what product to use we or anything. We were going to use toothpaste. Yeah, we start Googling like magic eraser. So I turn off my location services because I don't want AJ to see that I'm like at a car repair shop. He's going to flip. Frit up, flip. <laughs> He's going to flip. So I'm like, I paid the guy 25 bucks. I'm like, please just like buff out this one little spot. So he buffs it out. But he's like, I hope you know I can't fix the dent. Like we didn't I, even realize there was a dent at that yeah, point. We thought it was just a scuff. And then he's like, no, it's dented. I'm like, oh, shoot, you're right. So uh, he gets the scuff out, and then we go home, and AJ's pissed. I go take a shower so I can <laughs> just let them <laughs> I, He was pissed at first just because, like, it sucks that your car is a little bit dented. It's, it's a really small dent, but, like, it's in a place where it's kind of obvious, and you can't really fix it because it's in that little weird strip. But he forgives me. It's all good. But it's like such a weird, chaotic morning. Lots of weird things happened. Um, yeah. Just yeah. weird. So that's the story of how I damaged AJ's truck. But that's not the highlight of the trip, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the highlight. Okay, you tell me what was your best highlight. I think, I think honestly, the highlight of my trip is just being here for more than 24 hours. Like mm-hmm. having such an extended amount of time with you I feel like I just I don't know I just feel like we like grew our friendship in a way that we could have actually never done virtually yeah you know yeah it's nice and I think when you have a longer time with someone and you don't feel like rushed to like oh we have to do this and this and then this and then this um and you just kind of have like downtime to like watch tv or like watch youtube those are like my favorite moments yeah like the daily things yeah and it's funny because we were talking about like Okay, now that we have spent like an extended amount of time, what is something that like we didn't expect of each other? And I feel like we kind of had like the opposite realizations of each other. Yeah. Like I think that you're more like chaotic and like <laughs> sassy than than your videos even show, which which I still think shows like a fair amount. That's but... actually concerning. I'm like, oh, maybe I need to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's so funny. But then you think I'm quieter than you thought. Well, I thought you were really, really talkative. Mm. Just because you talk about like how much you enjoy your friends and Mm -hmm. how you enjoy social interactions more so than me, for example. So I thought that you would be like super talkative 24 seven because I have some friends like that. Mm -hmm. But you're actually pretty similar to me in terms of like we can be quiet Mm -hmm. and like we don't have to always talk. Like just exist ride in the car with no music and like not feel awkward or like forced that we have to like fill the silence. Yeah. So I really like that because I feel so charged by silence sometimes versus like some of my friends who like talk all the time. Sometimes that can be draining. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't even feel like you were here in in a sense of like your presence didn't like burden me or when didn't it, like overtake when it comes to everything. my social battery, like you could be here for two more months and like it wouldn't drain me. Yeah. So that was nice. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Jenna is a YouTuber. If you don't know, um, what are you doing? But basically, (laughs) 
Jen is a YouTuber. Her channel is Jenna Hong. And your Instagram, what's your Instagram? Jenna X Hong. Jenna X Hong. She is Korean American. Mm -hmm. She has a boyfriend, high school <laughs> sweethearts. We have so much in common, which I think is so cool too. And yeah, what's, yeah. what's going on in your life? About to go home. My boyfriend Thomas is in Korea for I think four more weeks now. He's gone for a total of six weeks. So I'm just kind of saying goodbye to living alone. That's like what I'll be getting back to when I go back home. Mm -hmm. And then and then we're gonna move in together Yay. next month. I'm really excited. Which I, I know it's not too different for anyone that's been watching my vlogs. So he he kind of stays with me like 75% of the time. Mm -hmm. But his name hasn't been on a lease until now. <laughs> so like the trapping starts now. Yes. And it's different. Like when you actually move in together officially, I feel like it's different. Even though you've kind of done it before, mm -hmm. it's a different mindset and like a different vibe. Yeah. It's so cool. because exciting. I feel like I'm seeing like the different steps to, you know, what, what ultimately could be like a forever, right? Just mm -hmm. kind of taking these small steps to doing that. I feel like I've, I mean, I've been dating my boyfriend for like so long since like 2014, same as you. Mm -hmm. And so just feeling like I'm finally getting to that like Phase. finish line. Yeah. It's, it's, there's no feeling like it. And he's a genius. He's yeah. starting medical school in the fall, mm -hmm. which is so epic. I know. And you're going to be there right alongside him, mm -hmm. supporting him. I won't be studying with him, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> It's honestly nice because at first I was nervous when I started my channel that, you know, editing takes so much time and I really did get nervous. Like, oh my gosh, is Thomas going to understand how much time I really have to put aside outside of work from not as much quality time with him anymore, but I really have something else that I want to commit to. Mm -hmm. So just knowing that we were always on the same page, because if I'm working on a video, he's like watching a class or reading a book or applying to med school at the time. He's always so good at keeping himself busy with other passions outside of your typical, this is my work, yeah. which I really appreciated because he never really got mad at, or like he never misunderstood how much time I had to put into my channel when I had started, which I feel like could, could be easy to misunderstand. Yeah, definitely. I think it's important to maintain separate passions and hobbies. And it's crazy how much time we actually have outside of work because I remember before I started my channel, I was like, oh, I'll never have time to do anything. Like I work eight to five, like it felt like forever. But then like I started doing YouTube and I'm sure you can relate like, and then you like posted three videos a week and somehow you gained like 20 extra hours a week. And so it's really interesting how we can do so much as long as we set our mind to it. And that'll be like a big topic of today's episode is how do we decide to start YouTube? What does it actually take? What kind of commitment? What are some tips? What are some tricks? Yeah, no, I think that's such a good, I think that's such a good segue to like all of the questions that I know, all of you guys that submitted them. It's so interesting because we don't realize how much time we have outside of work. And I feel like the biggest tip that we probably both would give is that you have to just learn how to find that time and make the time and you, you have it, even if you think you don't. Exactly. So many people are always like, how do you do YouTube outside of your full-time job? And how I, I could never do that. But the thing is you can, you're just either not making the time or you're, you don't realize how much time probably you're wasting mm -hmm. outside of work because it is possible, but you have to commit to it or else you will not find the time. Yeah. Let me take a look. I asked you guys on my Instagram to submit some questions about YouTube. There was no criteria other than be specific. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a content creator listening, you can relate to people asking you, oh, I want to start a channel. 
where should I start? Or like, do you have any tips? That's a great question, but it's kind of hard for us to navigate that question because it's not specific enough. And there are hundreds of tips that we have. So I'm really happy with the questions that you guys submitted. Let's start with the basics. Why did you start your channel in the first place? Okay. Do you want to go first? You go first. (laughs) So I've always been a consumer of YouTube. I grew up in high school watching YouTube as my TV after school. And I was, at the time, the biggest thing was the beauty community. So I would watch Jaclyn Hill, Kathleen Lights. I just found it fascinating that I cared so much about not just makeup, but like the creators doing it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I spent all of high school and like college even just being a consumer of YouTube and like part of the community on that way. And then flash forward to when the pandemic hit, we're all feeling so lonely. And I had gone through the whole summer just kind of focusing on embracing what the pandemic was at the time. So I was just working a lot. I was exercising a lot. And by that point, I was turning 24. It was like the year of the pandemic, 2020. At that point, I I had my birthday and my friend was like, I don't know why you don't just start what I know you probably have always wanted to. And my sister had a channel growing up and I don't know, I guess I was just kind of always scared, but it was in such a weird time period of like worldly chaos that Mm -hmm. my friend just kind of pushed me to finally do it and start one. I started my channel for, I would say pretty basic reasons, like nothing too profound. Um, It was after we got married and I was just kind of realizing that I needed a hobby. Otherwise I would like go crazy with nothing to do outside of work. So I dove into YouTube. It's like Jenna said, I've just watched it my whole life. I've always thought one day maybe I could do this. And I like low key love being on camera. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, that was kind of the main reason. And in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, if I could make this into like a full-time career or even just make a little bit of side money, like that would be awesome but I didn't really expect that to happen for a long time. So that was definitely on the back of my mind and I'm not afraid to say it. I think a lot of times creators will say, oh, well, if you do it for the money, like you're never gonna last. But I think as long as your primary motivation is I love making videos, you can be secondarily motivated by, oh, I would love this to be my career or like to make some money from this. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I do think that in order for it to be sustainable, you do have to have a passion. I don't think you can pull that out of thin air. So I realized I had a passion and um, yeah, pretty basic. (laughs) No, I love that. I feel like, I I like that you kind of just embrace the fact that making money is a motivator and a drive because it's so so taboo to be like, you just can't do it at all for the money. But the people that do it full time have to do it for the money because that's their source of income. That's their job. And there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. How many hours a week do you spend on YouTube? So we both put out two videos a week. Mm -hmm. So at least we have that like as a baseline. How many hours do you spend? We can break it down however you want, like editing versus whatever. Editing, filming, editing, preparing. Preparing is a part that I did not expect. Mm -hmm. Like it takes at least at least an hour. And I always think it's going to take like 10 minutes in my head preparing a video. So what do you prepare? Like, do you just plan out like what you're going to talk about and like what you're going to show or like, how do you prepare? Prepare like the description box, like all the administrative things and even thumbnail stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I did not, I never take that into account, but it always takes at least a solid hour. Yeah. I think thumbnail and description take an hour together. Mm -hmm. So that's like after you've already done the video. But in terms of preparation, like you do have a lot of mental energy spent, like, what am I going to film this week? Mm -hmm. 
what haven't I filmed in a while? Like, because we can't just film the same stuff over and over. We have to like change it up. And so that takes a lot, even though we don't like time block that necessarily. Yeah. That can take up a lot of time too. Yeah. I honestly, to be honest, like I need to be better at preparing my videos and my content like you and, and even Kate, she's so open about like preparing that month's content. Mm-hmm. If you guys watch my channel, I don't <laughs> do that at all. I just, I always just say like, okay, we're just going to ride life together and I'm going to film it. And but that's what's so unique about your channel is that you're chaos. so, yeah, like you're so real and so raw, both with the highs and the lows that like not everybody gets that from any other channel. So I think that another tip that I guess I have is just be yourself. Like mm-hmm. don't feel pressured to be super organized or be super chaotic. Like just be yourself. And don't try to be anyone else because right. that's what's going to help you grow on YouTube because there's no one like you. That's yeah, that's a good point. And thank you because I, I genuinely feel insecure about it sometimes, but you're right. It's just kind of who I am. I'm not someone that if I have to go out of my way and like against my being to feel like I have to play my content because others do and it works for other people. It just, it's okay that that doesn't work for me because mm-hmm. that's that's just who I am. Yeah. And if it works for you, that's who you are. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. So editing a video, I would say takes me at least two hours minimum, two hours minimum, and then up to four hours. If it's like a very like curated Mm -hmm. day in the life with voiceover, with cool edits and like time lapses and 10 songs in one video, like that would max out at like four hours, I think. Um, but a typical vlog is like two. What about you? I feel like, so when I was editing on my iPad, because I did do that for a good year before I switched over to editing on my laptop, editing on my iPad probably took me like eight hours per video. It was, are you kidding me? It was insane. It was really, really hard. Think about it. You don't have a mouse. So you have to do everything with your fingers, like squeezing in and out, like the time lapses and that's crazy. Jenna. Yeah, it took forever. And you did that for like a year. I know. And then I very obviously burnt out <laughs> so bad. Cause I, I can't even like believe looking back that I did three videos a week on my iPad for 12 months. I think I was just so fueled by, oh my gosh, I love this so much more than my actual job. Like, why would I cut back in any way? But yeah. So then you got the MacBook and it was better. Yeah. So now that I have the MacBook, I would say a whole video beginning to end editing probably takes like four, Mm -hmm. four hours, but a lot faster if it's not a vlog or if it's just one day vlog or like a morning vlog. Or like if you film it within a few hours, it's easier somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That would take less time, but the work weeks always take good amount of time yeah just because it's i mean they're you're putting so much of life in one video and like how do you do that another question best tips for editing efficiently so i'm going to tell you guys my process and then jenna can tell you hers because i feel like everyone kind of has similar processes but are unique in their own way so i watch my video three times the first time is when i put all the footage together let's say i have like two hours of raw footage from like 30 to 40 clips individual clips i smack it together and i cut out all of the spaces i cut out like the errors when i stumble over my words i do my time lapses but i don't do any music or graphics yet that takes me about 30 minutes to 45 minutes My second round is I go through, I put music in, I put my text, I put my graphics, any pictures, any music, um, intro, outro, that takes me probably an hour to an hour and a half, depending. And then I watch it one more time, I call this my safety check, I check for anything that needs to be blurred, because there's often times where I forget, or like, oh, my address is showing, or 
whatever. And then I basically I just watch the video that time. And if I need to blur something, I blur something. So that takes me about 20 minutes or however long the video is. So that gets me to about two, two and a half, three, four hours, depending on how long it is. Yeah, I, I would say mine is pretty, pretty similar to that. I put everything together and I think it's also like, I think you're better at being mindful of how much you're filming because I overfilm a lot because I never have a good sense of mm. have I filmed enough to move on to like the next portion That's hard. That's of the video. That's harder than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's really hard because especially for the work weeks, I'll have like <laughs> I'll have like three hours sometimes of footage that has to be broken down into 20 minutes, 30, yeah, yeah. 20, 30 minutes. And that is just truly really, really hard to do. So my rough cut probably takes like two hours. But at the, as I do the rough cut, I feel like it takes a little bit longer because I'll put in markers for if I want to insert a screenshot or if I talked about a channel that I want to put a picture of that in. I'll do that as I'm doing the rough cut so that once I get to the end of the video and I've cut everything up, I've marked where I want to put things. All I have to do is the music and text. That actually doesn't take too long, maybe like one hour, hour and a half tops. Mm -hmm. And then I'll do transitions at the very end with blurs. I do blurs at the end too. Yeah. So pretty but similar. Jenna's videos have more editing. I would say like you have cute text and cute mm. transitions and like you put a lot more thought into it. So I think that's why yours takes longer is just because it's higher quality. So it's like everybody is so different. Some people um, don't put any music or any text. So it's like really up to your personal style. So I wouldn't feel overwhelmed if you're listening to this and you think, oh my God, four hours, one right. video, not necessarily true. And that's because Jen and I do like 20, 25 minute videos, but you can start out by doing a 10 minute, 15 minute video and that cuts your editing in half. Yeah. Yeah. Oh <laughs> but also just because you have less editing doesn't mean it's lower quality. It's yeah. really just your style. I agree. Cause I can't even imagine you doing like, you know, as many edits as I do, like adding the stuff in that wouldn't be you, but it's still the same quality that you don't do it. Yeah. You know, it's that's going back to what I said earlier, everyone has their unique style and their unique personality and their unique aesthetic. So like nobody's going to want to watch 15 creators who are all the same, right? They choose to watch multiple people because everyone is different. Right. So I hate the argument that it's like, Oh, it's so saturated. Like how will I stand out? How will I ever grow? Like it's 2022. That's what I said back in 2020, but like there's always room for one more creator. And as long as you're genuinely yourself, you will stand out. Mm -hmm. So very true. All right, let's get a juicy one. How much do you make from YouTube? Do you have to be active on other platforms to be successful? So we don't have to say like how much we personally make, but we can say like per video or like per brand deal with this many views, like in general, so people get an idea. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me get this out of the way. You have to be monetized on YouTube. In order to be monetized with YouTube ads, you need to have at least 1,000 subscribers, and you need to have 4,000 watch hours within the last year. Year, yep. It's actually harder than you think to reach that. And it's not so much the subscribers because I feel like that is an easier part to reach, but the watch hours. Mm -hmm. You need like at least 20 videos with like 5,000 views each. And if, you're, if your videos are getting less than 5,000 views, you need like 100 videos with a thousand views each. I feel like. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's 4,000 public watch hours, which means 240,000 minutes. Like that yeah, it's is a lot. a lot. But once you reach one, I, I found at least for me and everyone's journey to monetization will be different. I think I reached 1000 subscribers after six months and, and or right before six months. That's fast. Yeah. That was fast. I was not expecting that at all. And that was really just because I had one video that had 
gotten, I think at that point, like 75,000 views, the Mm -hmm. work from home setup video. And then I reached monetization maybe around two weeks after, just because once you reach one, it just kind of, I, I think it catapults you to reach the next one. Yeah. They go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. I would say a good goal or like a good criteria to kind of evaluate where you stand is if you can be monetized within one year, that's great. Mm -hmm. Some may take longer than a year. So I'm not saying a year is the cutoff, but I think that's kind of a good gauge to be like, okay, I've done this for a year. I'm not monetized. Let me get some feedback from my friends and family, from other creators. Let me see what can I improve because we need to be open to constructive criticism if we want to grow. YouTube is so cutthroat. And like if your friends, it's a computer. Yeah. It's literally technology deciding. (laughs) If you're too scared to get your friends feedback, you're going to get people who comment telling you the feedback anyway. So you might as well fix it before. Like it's so embarrassing to be like, can you watch my video and like, tell me what I'm doing wrong. And then my mom, my mom was like my number one supporter. She was like, Oh, like, well, no offense, but like, you're kind of talking a lot in this segment. Like maybe like skip ahead or like move the camera around or, or your music is kind of too low or too loud, or it's kind of blurry at this point, or your Mm -hmm. sound is terrible. (laughs) So like, just get the feedback and just be willing and open to learn and to grow. And you'll, you'll just do so much better. Yeah, I agree. It's hard because if you're in that stage of really wanting to grow or make a change or grow faster with your channel and really know if you have potential in it as a creator, if you are seeking it out as some sort of side career or or full, being open to criticism and feedback, it'll be so hard because you're so proud of all of the time that you put in. But just knowing that the people you're asking like come from a place of love and they want you to succeed too will help you yeah. want to accept whatever feedback they have. But you don't have to take all of it, but just hearing it will help your mind get started mm-hmm. on things that you can do differently. Definitely. So going back to the money question, so it's like dollar per view basically mm-hmm. is how YouTube does it with the YouTube ads. I think if you get like $10 for a thousand views is good, I think. Tell me I if never, I'm wrong. I never understood this part. So to it's be like it's like a ten to one ratio, basically. Sometimes, and it's so hard because it fluctuates every day on every video, depending on hundreds of factors. But let's say you get a hundred thousand views. If you were to make a thousand dollars from that video, that would be considered good. Now everybody's different. It depends where your audience is from, how old they are, how long they're watching, what ads they're clicking on. Yeah. For me, I've noticed mine is like between six and eight per thousand. So I just pulled mine up. Mine is eight. So mine's a little bit below that 10, like ideal number. So that means per thousand views, I get $8. Okay. Wait. Okay. Wait, let me go to my most viewed video and let me tell you exactly what I made. Like no shame. This will be the juicy thing that they want to know. Juicy. My biggest video has 173,000 views. It's my work from home setup desk tour, which by the way, was a total last minute decision in terms of videos. Like I didn't plan it at all. I only filmed it because the sun was going down and I had no time. So I just had to take 15 minutes to film that video. To this day, the video has made $1,000 and 13, $1,013. So that's a little bit less than 10, 10 ratio, one to 10, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. So my most viewed video has, why is it so hard to find this information? I know. My most viewed video has a 1.2 million views. That's my first ever work day in the life. It popped off and I made $4,700. So that's actually pretty low. That's a four to 10, 4.7 to 10 ratio, right? Because of 1 million to 4,000. 
Oh, interesting. So that's really low. And that's because this video had a big international audience. And international audiences don't provide as much money as US, Canada, Australia, UK. So that's pretty low. I would say if this was a 100% US audience, I would have made double. I would have made like eight to 10,000. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's how much your audience matters. Which which is completely out of our control. So hopefully this just goes to show, yeah. It's all all just a matter of chance. Let me show you another example. I have a morning routine with 105,000 views and that made me only $600. How many views? 105,000. 105,000. $600. So that's half of what you made. So that just goes goes to show how you cannot predict it and you cannot rely on it, which brings us to sponsorships. This podcast is sponsored by, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Uh, I wish. So the reason why creators take on sponsorships is because as you can see, they can get hundreds of thousands of views and get only a few hundred dollars. That's really unpredictable and it's not a good way to like rely on yourself financially. So for an average brand deal, let's give a few examples. I remember when I was just starting out for 5,000 views, a brand would pay anywhere between 200 to $500 for a 90 second integration. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's pretty much in the range? I think so. And some brands pay more, some brands pay less. So again, yeah. it's so different, but you might as well shoot high and be like, yeah, I'll do it for 650. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be like, oh, actually our budget is 350. And you'd be like 400. Perfect. Yeah. Right now for me, it's so different. Like it's hard to just say one number, but it could be anywhere. Like if I really love the brand and I just want like the product and I would buy the product anyway, I would take a deal as low as like 600 for a 90 second. And I've had a deal up to like a 2,500 that included it, but it included like a Instagram thing too. Wow, So that's that's like my biggest. Yeah. So oftentimes they'll link like, I want a 90 second integration plus an Instagram and that's a good way to like increase your rates. Wow. I yeah. love you guys. I am so much smaller than that. So <laughs> my brand deals are not that much, but I have around, I have almost 15,000 subscribers and I feel like my average brand deal is probably like 400 or something. That's mm-hmm. like a very, very average, just it's in the yeah. middle of everything I would say. So I, I hope that gives you guys also a good idea of like, you know, once you reach certain metrics, like that's what the growth possibilities are like, which for me yeah. is really motivating to see like how successful you are and how hard you're working and how much that pays off. Don't it, get it me wrong. Going. Don't get me wrong. I do not get, that was my highest deal mm-hmm. was that number. But like I said, it could be anywhere from as low as 600 to up to that number. So it's totally dependent on the brand. It's totally dependent on how much we want to work with the brand. Mm-hmm. Like if we're so diehard about the brand, I'll take the 600. So I know that's not helpful, but <laughs> I feel like Never if you're, helpful, right? yeah, I feel like if you're starting out, like I said, don't do anything for less than 200. Do not do anything for less than 200. <laughs> My first brand deal, Rachel, it's $50. No, <laughs> but that's how they take advantage of small creators because small creators don't know what's going on. Yeah. But it's so hard to know when you're so small. Like if I didn't have you telling me that, 
before I even took yeah. that $50, I would just have no idea. Yeah. It's so, it's so hard. There's no, I think there's no perfect way to go about it. You just kind of have to go with your gut and hopefully it will pay off in the end. Cause that $50 first brand deal started off as gifting, mm-hmm. no money, no commission at all, or no compensation at all. And then it turned into one of my like biggest, yeah. most frequent brand deals, which now upwards of like $400 now. So yeah. just kind of being able to go with your gut and making smart decisions and yeah. It will start off as gifting and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. At first, you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm getting a free product and I don't have to do anything or like I just show them in the video. That's amazing. And Mm -hmm. I think we take advantage of that so much and we get like so used to it, but that's amazing. Like we get free products from brands that like we love and then slowly, but surely you get the 50, you get the 200, Mm -hmm. you get the 300 and then it just becomes more and more. And then it's like, you're making a lot of money. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I think you reach a point where your sponsorships either equal or surpass your YouTube ads revenue. And it's different for every creator. It depends on your geography, like I said. But for me, they were pretty much 50-50 up until recently. And my management like really kicked in and they're bringing me so many deals. And now my sponsorships are much higher than my AdSense. Mm. So that's why creators do them so often. So I just want to make you guys aware that it's just necessary. It's necessary if the creator wants to make like any money, basically. Yeah. Because the YouTube money doesn't, it's not enough. It's not enough to get by. It's definitely a slippery slope too, because since YouTube is a platform for creators and people that are just doing it as their hobby, like people that are doing it as their income and their hobby, it's hard because I don't know what I'm saying. You know what I'm trying to say? Like you got to... It's a hard balance of like, okay, I don't want to take too many deals, but I kind of need the deals because I'm like trying to get my way towards financial freedom, whatever that means for you. And so it's, it's this constant battle of how can I stay true to myself while still making the most amount of money I can make. And again, there's nothing wrong with making money and being successful as long as you're staying true to yourself and true to your audience and not recommending brands or products that you truly don't use. Mm -hmm. Cause that's when... Like I, I would not be able to sleep with sleep at night if I like took a deal that I didn't believe in. Right. Even if it was like $5,000. Right. I think it's also important once, once you do get to the point that you can make money from it, finding the balance between, okay, this will be probably obvious that this is a sponsor. I'll be making extra from this balancing that with wanting to just make a video in the first place without that drive. I, I think it's hard because no, I totally get what you're saying. It, it's, hard, make words. it's hard to explain, but like sometimes a brand can overtake the video. Like right. you're thinking about the integration the whole time because they want it a certain way and they, they have like this in mind and they're so picky versus other brands that we truly love to work with that are chill and that we love the brand. Like they let me do whatever the heck I want and I appreciate that so much and I genuinely love their product. So I like don't think that that really counts as like an integration because it's just so natural to me versus like another brand where I actually have to like work my ass off to like try to promote the product. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. So anyways, hope that answered that question. (laughs) 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 But for, okay. Last thing I'll say on this, as you're starting out, having the desire to earn money from your videos as you're starting out, there's nothing wrong with that, but I would advise to not jump on that opportunity. So once you get monetized, 
don't go right away into trying to find brand sponsors, like still kind of feel out who you are as a creator now that you are making money and still try to have your main focus be the video, not the money as you're starting out. Because in my experience, I think it becomes pretty obvious when they only want the money. They try, they make the whole video. It's authentic, but I can just, I think that we're humans and we're smart and we can just kind of tell when you're in it for the money. So yeah. I would advise to just, you know, be careful and still ground yourself with wanting to either inspire others, make valuable content, love what you're doing, and the money will be an extra bonus and a reward and eventually a means of your earnings. But hopefully that won't be the absolute center at that point in your career as you're starting out, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Totally. Um, Do you have any specific criteria when working with brands? Does it matter if the brand is a brand that you've never heard of before? Oh, interesting. So besides the money, so obviously they have to meet a certain criteria when it comes to money or whatever it is. (laughs) I think it's up to the creator if they've never heard of or worked with that brand before. I've come to accept creators that say this is their first time and they're essentially just marketing a brand. And as long as they've researched that brand and they know their values and they align similarly in their values, I don't mm-hmm. have any problem with it being their first time Me using or, or something. Cause you don't have to completely be identified with if you want to, with if everything, I think that's okay. But I think it's unrealistic, especially as a full-time creator to genuinely have used the brand for a few months before being able to promote it in some cases that is possible but a lot of the times brands will send you a product and they'll say hey we'd love to work with you here's my product you try it out you love it and you're like yeah let's do it and then they send you the information you agree on a rate um but sometimes they'll say like hey we want to work with you and i'll be like oh like that actually goes against my morals or like the mission of the brand isn't something I align with. So I'll be like, actually like, no, because that's not going to fit well with who I am and my content. So I think as long as we genuinely give the brand a chance and be honest with our viewers, like, Hey, I've just started using this product a week ago. Mm-hmm. I've loved it already. Like there's nothing wrong with, um, that. Yeah. I don't think so either. I really don't think so either. There are so many brands that in the end, they just want to get their name out there and good for them for wanting to go to influencers and people to help market their own products and not just pay for like a TV commercial. I like that more. So yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. As far as criteria, the brand needs to be recognizable in a sense of it. It needs to have at least a nice website or like an Instagram so that I can be proud of the brand that I'm working with. Not that you have to have an Instagram or website, but a brand where I can direct my viewers and say, Hey, check out their website. This is an awesome brand. Or I genuinely love the product. It's high quality. It's in some cases sustainable the mission is great uh, the staff is great at least the people who i've communicated with so i think as long as the company represents themselves in a holistic and like not negative way like mm-hmm. i like to give companies a shot as long as they're like legitimate i agree and yeah. as long as you genuinely have had a good experience with that product or service that's really yeah my only main thing like if a product is cheap or it breaks or like it smells bad like if it's a skincare product like i'll just be like no i i can't like because it's your it's your brand on the line Mm -hmm. at the end like you are standing behind this product so it's actually really important who you promote right what's your criteria on blocking a viewer oh you know i've never blocked anyone before do you like hide them from channel 
I've only removed like maybe two comments ever, but you're so nice. I'm like block. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good though. It's like out of sight, out of mind. And like, you don't want to give them the energy anyways. Yeah. Normally, I'm more like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, I'll give them a second chance. Like, if someone isn't, like, cursing me out, but they're like, oh, like, you look stupid or something, I'll, like, let it go. But if I see that person comes back again and again, I'll mm. hide them from the channel. Yeah, Which basically is, like, YouTube's way of blocking. That makes sense. And especially once you reach the audience that you have, you probably get that a lot more yeah, than you I've would expect. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of weird comments lately. Like, uh, it's just so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> I, I don't care about blocking. Like, I'll block you on Instagram. Everyone's blocked. <laughs> <laughs> Is it hard to find a balance between sharing enough to be relatable versus oversharing? <laughs> Jenna's All making I a face. is overshare, you guys. But I think a balance... No, honestly, I don't think you can really overshare unless you're putting someone else's privacy at risk. I don't think there's anything wrong with you choosing how much you share about your life and what's going on with you as long as it's individual and personal to you. If anything, oversharing is what you see less of because it's harder to really put in the public. So I think you can find a balance. And plus, the stuff that you overshare is probably the stuff that people relate to the most. That's what I try to tell myself when I'm editing like a really weak moment and I'm like, okay, (laughs) I'll just put it in. It's fine. But I don't think so. I think the weirdest part for me is when people who know me in real life, like know things about me that I, I was like, oh, like you actually know that about me because I told all my viewers, but it's weird when it's like someone that, you know, Mm -hmm. because for some reason when we make videos, we like project it to the people we don't know and like our core audience. And then a friend will be like, Hey, like, are you okay? Like I saw that you were sad in your video. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That happens to me too. That's the only downside, I think. And it's hard because uh, like, you're so thankful that someone you know personally is supporting you still. Yeah. That's, that is so amazing. But then it's just embarrassing it to be embarrassing. like, yes, I am really sad right now. Or like, <laughs> yeah, no, things are not going well, obviously. <laughs> but it's hard because like, it's just embarrassing. But then you're like, well, thank you for actually caring enough to watch. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. And I think that's a big struggle when first starting out is the embarrassment of like, what will my friends and family think of me picking up a camera and filming my life? once you can get over the people around you that you know finding out like i feel like telling the masses and telling anonymous people is so easy it's mm-hmm. just the people like our coworkers, our parents <laughs> our husband our like friends like that's the only thing that could be a downfall okay someone said who is the fakest of all <laughs> what who any, is the fakest of all any tea spill it I always say that my boyfriend acts so different on camera. Thomas like pops out oh. like the sarcasm and the jokes. My gosh. And he is not that way. I mean, Thomas is I think is so too. I think our but... family members and like people who, yes. are, who are not on camera all the time, but like have access to the camera, they act so different. Yes. They'd be acting different. I totally agree. Yes, my mom, she just starts smiling and laughing. Yeah. And maybe I do that too. But like, it's different. When the camera's on, she changes. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> do brands reach out to you or do you reach out to them? Hmm. I think you can definitely do both as much as you want. Mm-hmm. Like you can reach out to brands and land great, great deals that way. I don't do as much anymore only because I'm becoming lazy with it. Yeah. So 
I kind of see it as if the brand's not reaching out to me at this point in my life, then I'm just going to let myself do a non-sponsored video and give myself more ease with time. Yeah. But you could very much get the same number of deals that are being reached out to you. That's definitely possible. Yeah. You do have to do a lot of outreach to get one deal. I would say like 20 emails to get one deal. Mm -hmm. So it's so time consuming. And that's why I think creators rely on brands reaching out to them because it's like, they already like you. They already want to work with you. They already want to pay you Mm -hmm. versus you like begging them to like work with you. So Mm -hmm. I think you have higher success rates with brands that reach out to you. Like 90% of the time the deal goes through versus like 20 emails to one success rate when you're outreach, when we work full time, that's just not realistic. So for sure. It's one of those things that if we didn't have a full-time job, I would definitely be putting a lot more energy into brand outreach and admin emails being really on top of it in that way. But it's, that's kind of the downfall of having to work a Mm -hmm. full-time job outside of doing YouTube full-time. You just kind of, you have to give in other ways. And that's definitely one of them for me. Do YouTubers talk about their compensation with each other? Yeah. I feel like it depends on the person. I feel like some people are more private Mm. and they don't like necessarily say what they get paid. But then like, I'm like, I got this much for this brand. What'd you get? Like, let's work together and let's like build each other up. Because if, if they're paying Jenna, let's say $200 more than they're paying me, I'll be like, Hey, I'm going to raise my rates next time. And so I feel like transparency is so important, but I totally understand why some creators don't. Um, I just think it also depends on the level of friendship that you have with that person. Like mm-hmm. me and Jenna are super open. Um, and Selena, and like all of our YouTube friends that we have, but I think it just depends on like how close you are. Like you wouldn't tell a stranger how much money you make. Right. So, but you would tell your best friend. I think it applies the same way. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. And the more open you are in a newer industry, like the influencer industry, the more with more transparency, you can kind of get more fairly compensated that way. I agree. Yeah. Um, do you feel burnt out working a nine to five with YouTube? Do you see it as sustainable? A big ticket question. Do I see it as sustainable? Uh, do I see it? Do, do you I see get burnt out? Wait, what's burnout? Good question. Good question. The answer, definitely. the answer is it's absolutely not sustainable. Let's just get that loud and clear. It's not sustainable forever. Now, can we grind and hustle for years on end? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Will we have weeks or months where we don't want to do crap? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anything is possible, but I personally don't think it's sustainable for like, let's say several years. Mm. I think, yeah, I think if you're posting with the same consistency putting a good amount of hours in for years on end, I I can see how that would become unsustainable as much as I hate to admit it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even now, um, I wonder, am I, is this really, I don't know. It's, it's definitely least, really hard. At least 20 to 30 hours. Yeah. At, so at if least. you're working 40 hours and often a lot of us were working 50, like I know Jenna works a lot more hours than I do. So like, imagine she's working 50 hours at her nine to five plus another 30 hours on YouTube. That's how many? 80? 80 hours. 80 hours. Oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. And yeah, it may seem like all fun and games because she's vlogging her life. She's vlogging her workday, but the amount of mental energy that it takes to even pick up the camera and put a smile on your face is like exponential. Yeah. And then you have to juggle being a friend, a daughter, 
partner. All those things do require actual time. So sometimes I just, I feel like I'm very open on my channel about feeling sorry for either lacking in one versus the other. And it's really just because I genuinely feel like sometimes I, I'm not putting enough into everything because I don't have enough hours in the day to do that. It's so hard. remember when you were waking up at like 3 or 4 a.m.? Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it was. Oh, my gosh. I was in my first calendar year of my channel, my first full calendar year. And all I knew at that point, probably six months into my channel, that I loved it at the time so much more than my consulting job. I felt like I had found something worth losing sleep for, if that makes sense. And I just felt like I had finally found the thing that I would love, love, love to do. So since I was still growing and I wanted to reach those metrics and see, was I even capable of growing at all in that way? And for me at the time, I decided that was inconsistency. So I was making three vlogs, which let me interject is a lot more than most full-time creators put out in one week. So she was putting three full-length videos out, highly edited, not just like thrown together. Like they were highly edited, thought out videos three times a week. Yeah, it was crazy. (laughs) So I remember you texting me, I would get a text from Jenna at like 4 (laughs) a.m. And she really remember getting this? Yeah. Or you would like reply to my latest text, like from the night before at like 4 a.m. And I'd be like, what are you doing up? And you would like edit from like 4 to like 8.30 and then go to work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why you guys, I say that like, it's just really hard finding that balance because I really do value almost equally my social life outside of work and YouTube. Like I care so much about being around my friends and my partner and everything that that was usually my time after work. And at the time I was living next door to some of my closest friends. So after work, naturally I wanted to be around those people. I didn't want to be alone editing. So, and you need some downtime. Like you need that connection because Mm -hmm. if you just stop working at six and then work from six to 11 on YouTube and then go to sleep, like that's not a life. Right. So even though you sacrificed your sleep, I feel like you compensated that by like having a little bit of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, maybe like losing sleep wasn't the best like right. health wise, but like something's got to give. Yeah. That's what, that's why I totally agree that it's just not sustainable at the time. I could only do it for a short period of time because I would just go to, I would cut my friends off at nine. I'd be like, I need to wake up in like six, seven hours. <laughs> so goodbye. But at least I was able to have that time with them before they moved, especially. So it's all just weird. Like life changes so fast and it's just a matter of, yeah, that was definitely not a schedule I would advise to other people, but at the time it was kind of the only way that I could balance my passions and everything else that made me happy while still doing my job, which is like 85% of your life. And then she dropped down to two videos a week and that was a little bit better, right? Yeah, that was a lot better. And I think you were one of the people that was like, I think that would be good for you. And I I definitely was like, you guys waking up at three or four is really not okay. And once I was doing that too often, I wouldn't do it every single video, but I was doing it often enough that Thomas had sat me down and he was like, I know that you're awake right now, but sometimes I feel like you're like sleeping, Mm -hmm. but you're awake. You're not really hearing me. And I feel like once he told me that he, he put me in check and I was like, okay, this is affecting my physical health at this point. That's definitely not okay. So yeah, for me, I feel like I was able to juggle the two videos. So I never did three videos a week. It was always one. And then I started doing two and then I was doing two up until now. I still do two videos a week. 
So I was able to juggle the two pretty well, I think, number one, because I'm not super social, so I didn't really feel like I was missing events or something because like if I wasn't editing a video I'd probably just be like reading a book or like watching tv so that was fine and I would normally edit between like 5 30 and 6 30 p.m so I would do like an hour a day and that was really good and then I would do like Saturday mornings I edit from 7 a.m to 12 so that would be like my big time chunk of like a half day of work basically getting like a whole video done on a Saturday when I started integrating more brands into my videos, that's when everything went crazy because that almost doubles the amount of work that you need to do because now not only do you have to think of a video idea, make the video, edit it, and post it, now you have to think of a video, think of a way to naturally integrate the brand, memorize the talking points, actually use the product, actually like be genuinely excited about the product, integrate it without like making it seem obvious or like fake, and then edit the video, send it like a week ahead of time yeah. to the brand to approve it. They come back, you say, oh, cut this out. I don't like that. Change this, whatever. You make the edits, you send it back, you wait for approval. Sometimes it doesn't get approved and then you post the video. So it's just so much more work. I started getting almost every video is sponsored, which is such a blessing. It's like, I'm, I'm so floored that I like am at this place, but it's also like, death <laughs> yeah because because i i realized this too like when you're submitting a brand for approval you have to have a video already done at that mm -hmm. point so you're forced to be ahead but to sustain that level yeah. of being ahead it's so a, hard you can't miss it you can't miss a video um and i have brands scheduled out for the next month usually so i cannot miss an upload if i cancel a brand deal that is bad for my reputation and other brands will find out and like everyone talks so they're gonna say oh rachel vin's like unreliable she'll cancel on you so you 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 have to be so intentional with your breaks and sometimes i'll tell my manager like hey i can't do a sponsor like a month from now i need like a break so i'm burnt out today but i can't take a break for a month when it comes to brands so that's crazy so once i started doing more brand deals i started going downhill <laughs> um i started having to wake up at 5 a.m which for some people is not early but for me for you, it's yeah. really early because i need like eight hours of sleep every night and i just like could not handle it anymore so that's when i started working eight to three i cut out the three to five time block um i worked less and that was amazing it was amazing i felt like i was finally at a good place again um, because basically I just compensated that two extra hours for all the brand deals that I was like now doing. Um, so that was fine. And then I started working for my mom, working mm -hmm. eight to five again uh, with no like break between three and five. So then I like crashed again. Yeah. As and you more guys, on your feet, which was like on different. My feet, I couldn't like make a thumbnail during my lunch break or like do things that I was able to do at my office job um, or like quickly reply to comments or like quickly reply to an email from my manager. Like I couldn't do anything because it was like patient interaction. I was busy. So then... Um, um, that's where I am now basically as you guys have seen I've been like really burnt out lately and that's where like my new Transition is gonna come in. Hopefully in the next few weeks. I'll be like more balanced, but And I yeah. know what you guys are gonna say like take care of yourself, you know, don't burn yourself out so hard but for people that are working for a company and doing this on the side I just think you know, you have to kind of put yourselves in our shoes it's hard to be that human when we're going after something that makes us so happy but it does require a lot of hours and energy it's it's not as easy to take care of ourselves because we're working so hard to just hopefully have it all be worth it that's a good point 
And it's like, what are we doing this for? Most of us, and not all of us, I don't want to speak for everyone. I'll Mm -hmm. speak for myself, but I am doing this because number one, I love it. Number two, I want to do this full time one day. And number three, I want to make enough money to pay my bills and have a little bit of spending money. So in order to get to that point one day, I need to post two videos a week for two years. And it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter who's making fun of me. Like if I want to be at that place in two years or three years, whatever your goal is, the work starts today. And yeah, we can take care of ourselves and skip a video, but that's skipping out on a brand deal and skipping out on a potential video that goes viral. And yes, we do need self-care days and we do need to like avoid burnout. But at the same time, like we have a passion, we have a goal, we have the drive and like we need to just get up and work. (laughs) Nobody wants to work these days. It's crazy. Like if you, I bet, I mean, I haven't read every single book by every CEO, but usually those crazy successful CEOs didn't just have self-care days every single day, (laughs) you know? So I think everyone is so sweet to always remind us because we probably need those reminders, but I just want to say that it's a lot harder to do than you would realize. Yeah. A lot of questions on like how to stay motivated or like how to start. And I would say like, you need to love it more than you love and almost anything else in your life. Like not more than yourself or your family or God, or you know what I mean? But like, it needs to be your number one Mm -hmm. or number two, if you have a job, especially if you're only in it for the money. Like if you don't wake up and think about YouTube, it's not for you. Yeah. Like in the end, when I go to sleep at night, it's not the money that I'm making. I'm like looking at these comments and seeing how my videos have made someone else's day feel less alone or feel better. And that in the end is what's worth it to me. Being motivated is for me, just knowing that I'm impacting other people Mm -hmm. and the money is an amazing and it's creating opportunities, which is just completely out of this world. But being motivated has to come from something else. And the money is really just a reward by means. How many times a day do you think about YouTube? Oh, Oh, whenever I can, (laughs) if I'm not thinking about my project work at work or my boyfriend or my family, it's YouTube. I think about it probably once every 30 minutes. Yeah. At least like at the minimum, like constantly checking comments, even when I'm not editing or actively filming, I'm always thinking about what can I film? What's my channel? Like, Mm -hmm. like, what are people saying? Like, how can I do better? Love it more than a job, but treat it like one. That's what I kind of like to say, because I see my videos as my own project deadlines, but it's not work because I love it so much. So if you can love it more than a job, but treat it like one, then that will pay off one day. Mm -hmm. And then let's end on a philosophical one. What's the most fulfilling part about YouTube? What brings you the most joy? I feel like you kind of touched on that a little bit with impacting people. And I think for me, it would be the same thing. It's so crazy to see how many people like respond when you're vulnerable and you say like, Hey, I'm going through this. And then the comments just come flooding in and say, thank you for sharing that. Like I'm going through this too. Like it means so much that you're willing to share that. And you're just like, wow, like that's crazy. And it's just like this sense of community. And especially with sharing my faith online, I've had so many comments like, yeah, wow. Like, thank you. I really needed that verse today. And I'm like, I'm like out here making moves for Jesus. And 
I never thought I would be that person. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to say. That's what you were to me. You were the first person that made me comfortable enough verbally to talk about my faith. Mm. And genuinely, like, I can't even, that's more than anyone ever in my life has ever done. And I grew up going to church, but no one has ever really impacted me. And you did that over a screen. So you're doing that to other people. Like you are actually bringing people closer to their faith and they don't even realize it. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's like so crazy because you think of like, oh, I'll never be a missionary or like, oh, I'll never be like a pastor, but we can impact people in our daily life. And that's, what's so powerful about YouTube is that it makes me want to be a better person because I now have this platform that I share with other people. And like, I want to be my best self. So oftentimes this is kind of embarrassing, but my motivation to work out some days is like, I want to be a good example to my followers. Like, even though it's been a tough day, I don't want to do it. Like I'm going to push myself. I'm going to work out because I want to be a good example and like show people that you can still do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause sometimes when I'm not filming, I don't have as much motivation mm-hmm. and I know I'm supposed to be doing YouTube because it makes me such a better person mm-hmm. having the community and the accountability. Yeah. And, and you're proud of who you are yeah. because of it. Like, I can't say that my corporate job makes me so proud, which right. is how I just know that that's not how I identify the most with my job. Yeah. So I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, yeah, you're right. I definitely touched on this already, but just knowing that I started my channel at a time that I felt so alone, but I wanted to share something with others. And just Mm -hmm. knowing that I actually accomplished that even to just one person has made it all just so fulfilling to me. Like I've never even, I've finished so many projects for my consulting job, for my job now. And the way that I feel when I finish a video and I get one comment is worlds more than all of that stuff so would you say that like each comment impacts you yes absolutely. i feel like when we're when we're consumers and we're like oh they're not going to read my comment or like oh what i comment doesn't matter but like that's so not true oh yeah and maybe it is for bigger creators but like for us every single comment we read and most of the time we respond to them so it's like thank you guys so much for just being there and even just watching the video even if you don't comment every time like the times that you do comment, like we recognize that and we try to like engage with that. And we know the people who comment every video. Like we know your name. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. there's this guy, Irvin, he's probably listening. He comments (laughs) on every video. Like he's the first comment, every video, every Instagram, every like live. He was on the live the other day. Yeah, he was like, and he's like in the Philippines. It makes me emotional because it's like, how did I get so lucky? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. You feel like you have a whole family of people all around the world because you're just putting yourself out there. Yeah. There's just nothing like it. So that's the best part, honestly, above the money, above the mm-hmm. quote unquote fame or like the status yeah. or like having millions of followers, like just being able to have a community and have them lift you up when you're down mm-hmm. is like the best part. Like when you post a video and you were vulnerable or you were crying in the video and then just having like double amount of comments that you normally get of yeah. people just being like, Jenna, we're here, Rachel, mm-hmm. like, oh, we love Me you. Me crying like, in every video. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so powerful. So I would say that's the number one. Yeah, I completely agree. And I hope that you guys didn't, if you made it to the very end of this of this episode, I hope you didn't come off as too like tactical. There's just so many parts of YouTube that aren't explained about enough because it I think it can seem that way. Mm-hmm. But in the end, like we care about you listening, you watching, you commenting, like you make all of this happen. And 
everything else is all just a bunch of business gibberish. Like we care yeah. about this the most. Mm-hmm. Oh, quickly. I just want to touch on this quickly about SEO. Cause we got a lot of questions on mm. SEO, which is search engine optimization. Basically that just means titling your videos and putting words in the description that are searchable. So like day in the life working nine to five as a medical receptionist or aesthetic home office set up from Amazon affordable and cute. Like mm-hmm. just put keywords and whatever you're searching for on YouTube is most likely what other people are searching for. So just use your common sense, but also don't get caught up in the details, like the minutia. I remember when I started out, I would panic. I would spend hours researching, should I put the word office or should I put the word like work? Should Mm -hmm. I put like career or should I put like nine to five? Should I put eight to five? Should I put nine to five? Should I put corporate Mm -hmm. or should I put like office? Yeah. It doesn't really matter mm-hmm. as long as you're putting something. Something. Yeah. So just make good videos, be yourself, be authentic, do the best that you can, and and the rest will take you. Yeah. Two questions I asked myself in terms of SEO at the time when I was really, really trying to research and grow my channel was if my video, so if my thumbnail, my title, everything showed up in a search engine for someone searching workday in the life, what would make them click on my video? So you don't want to blend in the crowd, but you want to be found in that crowd. So that's really hard. Put a little bit more effort into the thumbnail. Does it look different enough that makes somebody else want to click on your video as opposed to all the other videos that they're scrolling around? Yeah. And then the other question I would ask myself was, can they even find it on the search box? Like, am I just putting in random titles that Mm -hmm. no one's even going to find? If you're proud of what you're making, then you want to put in the data so that people can actually find what you're proud of. Yeah. And I would just search, like if you're making a day in the life of a nine to five person video, search that and YouTube and make note of what videos you want to click on. Like, Mm -hmm. Ooh, that person's thumbnail is cool. What are they doing? Oh, it's a, it's a shot of them working Mm -hmm. with big text or small text or no text. Mm -hmm. Like just take notes of what you, are drawn to and that will like help you so much yeah but do your market research yeah Yeah. (laughs) anyways where can people find you oh my gosh well you can find me on instagram and youtube i'm really not on tiktok at all it's really no time my tiktok is like a love letter to my boyfriend at this point i'm only (laughs) motivated to make tiktok content about thomas but my instagram is jenna x hong and then my youtube is just my name jenna hong thank you for hosting your first guest all right guys i'll see you in the next episode bye